Uh, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're talking about the birthday of LifeGate, but what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the birthday of the church itself. And um, in Acts chapter 2, the church is born. The Holy Spirit comes. He em, uh, empowers the preaching. Peter, P- Peter preaches a, a sermon that really, if you look at it, uh, is, you know, it's not the most wonderful oratory the world has ever heard, but it does the job. And 3,000 people get saved. So in the morning in this church, you have 120 people. And by the evening time, you have 3,120, roughly speaking, right? It's just exploded. It's grown, right? And so what we see is how, what, what the early church did. Now, understand this, that they didn't know. They didn't know anything like we know. They hadn't got the full New Testament. They hadn't even got the Gospels by this point. They had a group of men who had been around Jesus and started to tell them what Jesus said and what Jesus did, but they they didn't know. They didn't have a hymn book. Uh, They didn't have a a, a Bible in their hands. Yes, they had the Old Testament scripture, but somebody had those on a scroll. It's, it's, It's a whole different world. They're Jews as well. As far as they're concerned, they've just, uh, it's not like they've come out of the Jewish faith. They're still meeting around the temple. So it's a whole different thing. But they have some things going on that are foundational and that continue on as far as the church is concerned. Some things that were happening here that always have to happen in the church. Some things that you and I need to embrace and need to make sure that uh, these are important and these are uh, foundational in our lives as far as our church is concerned. So let's have a word of prayer and then we're going, to, we're going to read from verse 32 down to the end of the chapter and then we're going to just look at verse 42, right? Sorry, from verse 37 down to the end of the chapter. Father in heaven, would you bless us now as we look to your word? Lord, we need you to open it up and to help us. Lord, we need you to bless us today. We need you to put your hand upon this service, Lord, and speak into our hearts and lives because, Lord, we need you. We always need you, and you knew that we would, Lord. You created the world that we would need you, uh, Lord, and, and, and you made it, Lord. When it was broken by sin, Lord, you made it that we would need you all the more. Lord, we need you today, and we thank you that the church is the institution that you, that you, you, you touch us through. Now, would you bless us and help us in Jesus' name? Amen. All right, so Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Now, when they had heard this, uh, they were pricked in their heart. So what did they heard? They'd heard Peter's sermon, right? So the, the guys are speaking in tongues. Everything is going wild, and people are saying, what is going on here? And they're saying, are these guys drunk? And Peter says, no, 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 they're not drunk. This is what the prophet uh, has said, Joel said years ago. This, this is what, it's happening now in front of you. And he goes on to explain to them how Jesus was the Christ and how uh, they had crucified him. And they are pricked in their hearts and they say, man and brother, what must we do? And they, he says, listen, you to trust the Lord uh, <clears throat> and get saved. Uh, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Right? Whoa. I mean, they've, they've gone from being just, you know, a group hiding out in an upper room. 
And all of a sudden now, this little church has exploded. And they've got 3,000 people in it. So what are they going to do? Nobody's ever done church before. Nobody's, nobody's ever actually, you know, uh, built a building, put a spire on the top of it and said, this is now uh, a church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, nobody's ever created an order of service for a church. You, you know, they, they, they've never had a Lord's Supper like we've had. They've never had, uh, they, they don't even have hymns yet. They have the Old Testament, they have the Psalms, but they don't have hymns. They, 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 they have very little of what we know as church. So what are they going to do? What's going to be, what's going to be foundational to this little group? Look, look at verse 42. And they continued steadfastly, right? So these are the things they did. In the apostles' doctrine, there was teaching going on. In the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, there was fellowship going on. And in breaking of bread and in prayers. The breaking of bread, by the way, uh, would have simply been them having their meals together as they had their meals together. And they said, remember he said, do this in your mem mem memory of me. And so as they sat down to, uh, to their evening meal, they would, have, they would have broken bread. And they said, remember what he said to us? That's, and every meal would have been the Lord's table, effectively. Now, Paul makes that regular later on uh, in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 because it began to be abused. So, and so he, he, he regularizes it. And, and that's what you're going to see with the church as the church changes and grows, that things get regularized. Things get uh, uh, put in place. And the things that are put in place are not wrong. They're just things that are put in place. But here's the thing. The things that are foundational are found right there in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And they that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and their goods and parted them all to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Remember when you were first saved? I remember distinctly when I got first saved. I remember when I, when I was first saved and my heart was just overflowing. I'm going to heaven. Whatever happens in life, win, lose, or draw, it's, I'm fixed. I'm going to heaven. Everything is sorted. I'm going to Remember those days when you first got saved? It was just, it was just glory. That, that's where these, this, you got 3,000 people and that's where they're at. So they're eating their bread with gladness. They are pretty excited, right? Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It was going gangbusters. Great things were happening. Right, so I got three points for you. I need to be quick because we have slides and all kinds of things to show you as of yet. First of all, uh, they were learning doctrine. They were learning teaching. Uh, it's true that the Holy Spirit will teach you and he is our teacher. Uh, so, the, so the Bible says we don't need a teacher. Uh, and yet Paul tells us that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. In 1 Timothy 3 verse 15, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. What does it mean to be the pillar and ground of the truth? The church is the pillar of truth. And the function of the pillar is to support you in your truth. Listen, this is not where the only place you get truth. There's lots of places that you can get truth. Obviously, when you open your scripture, you're getting truth. Right? There are other places where you can get truth. But the church is the pillar and ground 
Paul says. He says, it's the place where you come to get your truth, get truth supported and strengthened in your life. Uh, and we need it. We need the church. There is, a, there is a movement abroad today that says, you know, we don't need the church. We have live stream. We have um, all kinds of podcasts. We have all kinds of things going on. We really don't need the church anymore. No, the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. You need it. I need it. We live in changing times. We're reading a book at the moment. The title of the book is Welcome to Our Strange New World. It's a Christian book, and it's written to deal with the whole change in a society's thinking as far as the whole LGBTQ uh, plus <clears throat> movement is concerned. And it's absolutely a fascinating book. He's not slamming anybody. He's holding a biblical, what the Bible says. You know, man is a man and a woman is a woman. He's holding to that very clearly. But what he's doing is he's explaining how the thinking of a culture shifted so radically from the time I was, to, when I was a child to, to the time now. It's just, I mean, it's just been a, it's been a quantum shift. It's been a total change in thinking, right? And you see, he does a masterful job, by the way, of going back through the centuries and showing how we got to the place where we are today. You see, the, the, the 20th century was the century of the self, right? It's when we kind of uh, woke up to the fact that, you know, hey, listen, it's about me. And um, uh, we began to have an economy that served us, and you know, we began to have money, we began to have all kinds of things. You see, if, if you were born in the early part of uh, the 1900s, right, you had one pair of shoes for Sundays, you had one pair of shoes for uh, working, uh, you had one set of clothes for Sundays, and you had one set of clothes for uh, working, and what more did you need? If you went back and asked my grandfather, he'd say, well, sure, I can only wear one set of clothes at a time, why would I need more than two? But now, in your house, you know, for some of you, there's lots of runners, isn't there? <laughs> and there's all kinds of clothes. And if you only had one pair of shoes for Sundays and one pair of shoes for the week, we'd say you were poor, and we'd give you some. <clears throat> because what's, what's happened is affluence has come in. And, and, and we have lots, and we have lots, and we expect lots, right? And so it was the century of the self, the century when we began to focus on ourselves and uh, I want to be okay. And now we're in the 21st century. And the 21st century, I think, is going to end up being called the century of the me. Of me. Uh, individualism is prized above all else. I have a right to be happy, whatever it costs others. Whatever norms have to be overturned, it's all about me. And you say... <clears throat> No, I don't think that's true, Pastor. There's lots of nice, caring people. There, there are, but there is a quantum shift in our thinking. No longer do we operate according to mores and rules and things we're supposed to do. Uh, you know, uh, you ever wondered how it would work for the American, for the Americans, if uh, if they put up a poster saying "Uncle Sam needs you"? I mean, people responded in their droves to that. But we're not like that anymore, are we? You know, we're not in the place where uh, somebody else can demand of us, and we actually do. There's been an individual, a radical individualism that's come in, and it's changed everything. By the way, the Bible does predict it. Uh, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through 5, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, dangerous times, right? For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, 
traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. You know what? Man is going to get more selfish as time goes by, and that's what we're seeing. So that kind of makes sense of, the, of society's thinking today, because if it's all about me, I have to be happy. I don't care what God says. I don't care what the rule says. I don't care what's good for society. I'm going to have what I want, and that's just it. And you see, it'd be lovely to think, you know, that the church is totally divorced from that. You know, we're not, we're different. We, we follow uh, the Bible. We follow, but you know what? He makes a very good fake case for the, for the fact that we're actually complicit in it. We actually had a part uh, to play in it too. Because if you look at Christianity, Christianity is different than it used to be. But what we have is we have an individual, individualism, right? So we're all our own person, we're going to do our own thinking, uh, we're going to have it our way. It's, it's a my way or the highway type of thinking. And it's all the way throughout. We have strong opinions and everyone has a view on almost everything. I, by the way, I, you'll see this even in the church at large. Like when I, I got saved in 1986. In 1988, I went to college, and, and literally, here's what happened. Pastor Zemeski was the pastor at the time. He gave us a little, uh, a little, it was like a newspaper, like a broadsheet newspaper, a small broadsheet newspaper, right? And he gave us that, and in the middle of it, there was a whole bunch of Bible colleges, right? They were the Bible colleges in fundamentalism uh, at that time, right? You could put them all in these two pages, right? And um, we were supposed to pick a college and um, find out where the Lord wanted us to go. And we did. That's exactly what we did. We found a college on that page uh, and went to it. But, you know, <clears throat> that was back in 1988. What's happened now is that any church of any size has its own Bible college in the church. And you say, why is that? Because everybody's got a different opinion, a different thinking, and it's my way or the highway. Nobody can subscribe to anybody else's thinking. It's affected the church. It's affected you and I. We are more, much more children of our age than we think we are. People change churches. If it doesn't suit me, I'll go somewhere else. You know, uh, people, uh, Christians even, uh, and marriages. If I'm not happy, I'm gone. My job doesn't make me happy, I'm gone. Uh, COVID accelerated the changes, but they were already happening. And what we have is we're living in a strange new world. We're living in a world that's uncharted territory. In other words, nobody knows where the pitfalls are anymore. We're just out there at large. We need a voice of truth in our lives. We need this book more than ever because it brings us back to the straight and narrow. It brings us back to the plumb line, what's true and what's right. We need that voice of truth. Tr truth makes a difference in your life. Truth makes a difference in your family's life. It can be found in many places, but the church is the place where God said uh, he, wants the he wants the truth held. The modern trend is to make the church optional. I can worship God wherever I am. That's true. But you lose connection with the pillar and ground of the truth. The church supports us in keeping truth alive in our lives. Now, the church needs to say true to the word of God. This is, this is probably, the, uh, I suppose, the passion of my life at this stage of my life, right? that we stay true to the truth of the word of God, that we don't fear one way, that we don't go the world's way. Because if you go the world's way, you know what? <clears throat> You're off. But that we don't go the Christian culture's way either. That we stay true to the word of God, that we actually do what God would have us do. And you know what? You have a part to play in that too. 
I'm supposed to preach the truth of the word of God. You're supposed to go home and check that I am. You're supposed to go home and look at your Bible and see you know of. Uh, is Pastor O'Gorman actually talking truth or is he making that up? And you know, because we like it easy, we tend to either accept uh, what's said to us or reject it based on that's not what we feel is true. The truth is found in there. We need to go and actually check it. We need to look, look it up. The church needs to stay true to the word of God, but we need to be a people of the book. You see, the world is shifting rapidly from every norm, and we need an anchor, and we need the church more than ever in our lives. We need the church more than ever in our lives. We need the support of good biblical doctrine to keep your head straight in this day and age. You need good biblical doctrine in your life. You need the church. Um, they were, they, they, the first thing the church was doing, it was teaching doctrine, good, solid teaching from the Word of God. Second thing they were doing is they enjoyed fellowship. Right? Uh, we need fellowship. You know, you and I were not made to live as an island, to do our own thing and be on our own. Some of us, the introverts amongst us, kind of like that idea, you know, that we can, we can be onto ourselves, but the reality is we can't, we can't survive that way. We can't thrive apart from community, and as Christians, we need a community that's going to support and help us and build us up in our faith. We need it. You know, in this individualistic day, you can so easily just withdraw, and you can, you can not be involved in church. You can just be out there on your own, doing your own thing. But I guarantee you, it will affect you spiritually. It will actually hurt you spiritually. Hebrews 12, 20, 10, 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Or he gave testimony there of people that encouraged him when he came uh, made things right with the Lord. Yeah, well, we need that. We need, didn't he have the Bible? Didn't he have the Holy Spirit? Why did he need people as well? Because we do. We just do. You know, there's no point in you and I fighting against our humanity. God doesn't fight against our humanity. He recognizes it. And he actually makes provision for it. And he says, you need encouragement. You need fellowship. You need to be uh, in church, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. In this day, where we're headed towards the end, where life is changing, where things are changing rapidly around us, we need the church. We need each other. We need to be a part of something. We were never intended to live alone. We need community. We all need encouragement. The early church were a group of people under cloud. Uh, they were the associated with a condemned and executed criminal. Imagine. You know, who are you? Well, I'm a Christian. Who, who do you believe? What's that? Well, I believe in Jesus. But didn't we crucify him? Wasn't he a criminal? I mean, listen, you don't get crucified unless you did something wrong. Can you imagine? And, and so they were associated with him. They needed people that would shore them up and strengthen them. They needed each other. They knew faith, fractured bonds and family and friends. Remember Jesus said, don't think that I'm coming to cause peace on the earth. I go, Listen, I'm going to sit, uh, you know, father and enemy against his children and a daughter against the mother. There's, there's going to be trouble because of me. He, he recognized it. He told them it was coming. And they, 
needed each other. They needed fellowship. So do you. You can't do without it. That fellowship was integral to them. Uh, they needed that fellowship. And then finally, what they needed was they needed prayer. You know what prayer is? Prayer is two things. Prayer is two things. First of all, it's devotion. You know what? You go home and you get in your chair, you kneel on the floor, you lie on your bed, you do whatever, you start talking to God. You know what? Your heart opens up and you start connecting with the Almighty. Isn't it amazing, by the way? doesn't matter where you are. He's listening. And you, and you can make contact with him wherever you are. Prayer is devotion, but prayer is also power. You see, here's what happened in the church. and <clears throat> It became an organization. It became an institution. Right? They start off, they're just a bunch of people with, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're, listen, they're in trouble. They're following this guy who's dead and he was criminal and, you know, they're, they're in trouble. But they start making connection with him. And all of a sudden, this very weak, insignificant group of people see amazing things happen. Miracles happen, souls being saved. Because prayer is also power. Prayer is power. When you haven't got the power, you start crying out to God. Now, here's what's wrong for the church, with the church at large today. We want to find power in all kinds of things. We want to build a nice building, and that'll get people coming. You know, we, we, you know we, we, we want to do the, the right things and make the right steps. We want to do the right things financially and, you know, capitalize on everything we've got. And we can so easily become just a business. But you know, we're never, we were never intended to be a business. It's power that we need. God's power. You know, great things have happened in life yet over the years. And... Honestly, I can say none of them happened because we organized them. The great things that happened always happened because God touched. God moved. I mean, if I could have turned Orion's life around, I would have done it. If I could have taught him, if I could have beaten it into him, I'd have, I'd have done whatever it took. But I couldn't. I was helpless. And God did it. And you know what? We're facing into uncharted territories. We're facing into uncertain times. We're facing into days when I have no idea how to handle what's coming at us down the pike. I have no idea how to handle it because it's coming at us. Uh, and um, I have no idea, but you know what? God does. God is sovereign. God plays a long game. And he always wins. <laughs> he always wins. And you know what? Whatever is coming. I won't have the ability to deal with it. You won't have the ability to deal with it. But you know what? He will work it out. And it will work out well. So three thoughts for you. Right? First of all, listen, <clears throat> you need strong teaching in your life. You need the word of God. You need to imbibe it and live it. You need fellowship. The church provides that. By the way, yesterday was wonderful. I looked at the photographs. So many people coming together just for fellowship. Church needs that. Church needs fellowship. And the church also needs <clears throat> to be in that place where we're praying. And we're recognizing the power is not in us, the power is in God. 
And you know what? If we have those three th basic things right in the church's life, listen, we can work out all the details because they're only details. Those are the important things. And you know what? God made them simple. God made them straightforward. For you, listen, lock into the church. Some of you won't be here forever. You're going to move back home, go somewhere else. Listen, that's fine, but you're going to lock into a church when you get there too. You need to be in church. You need to be in church. You need to be part of a church. You need fellowship. You need the teaching and you need the fellowship and you need to be praying together. And you know what? No matter how far the world looks like it's gone from any version of reality that you and I are comfortable with, God is still sovereign. He's playing a long game. And he will win in the end. And you know what? You walk with him. And you are a winner too. No matter how it looks.